welcome to Recovery Internet Radio, broadcast live and direct from Straight Stuff Studios. Thanks for joining us here tonight for episode... Whatever. Whatever it is, we're happy to have you. Thanks for, uh, thanks for being here with us tonight. We've got, we got a great show for you. I'm going to introduce our host this week and every Sunday night at 7 p.m., Mr. Rick Atwater. Ladies and gentlemen. So welcome to the show tonight. Welcome to Recovery Internet Radio and our show, Straight Stuff on Addictions. Um, tonight, the tag is Finding Our Way Back to Innocence, the Recovering Heart. And uh, so again, thanks for joining us. And uh, we also just had a little canine join us, um, which is going to be awkward, but, you know, let's see how that goes. Um, anyway, we're here every uh, Sunday night at 7, and uh, so those of you who are regular listeners know that, and those of you who aren't, uh, hopefully somebody will pass that information along to you, and you'll find out. Uh, thanks to our engineer, Chris hey, Atwater. Hey, Chris. Woo! Yee-hoo! little... A little round of applause for Chris. <laughs> Very little round. It's okay. That's all the applause I need. I'm That's good. all you need. And our guest tonight, P.P. P.P. You can uh, call the show for questions or comments or, God forbid, opinions at 323-792-2977. Um, or you can tweet us live at Rick Atwater. Is that right? Did I say that right? Indeed, indeed. We're up to, we have 66 followers on Twitter. So, you know, if you want to, you want to round that up to a hundred, we'd be happy to, we'd be happy to have a, have you aboard. And yeah, like, like Rick said, you can, uh, you can, t- you know, you can uh, tweet us live during the show if you have questions, if that's easier, if it's, it's easier to just bang out a question than, than call in. That's fine too. At Rick Atwater. Well, actually, I mean, if we have 66 followers on Twitter, that's, I think that's up from um, 19. <laughs> <laughs> so we're really we're really making some progress. I feel good. Yeah, we're we're on the upswing. It's we're a on slow, the upswing. It's a slow hill, but we're we're climbing it. Okay. All right. It's a slight incline, but we're getting there. Okay. <laughs> and remember to check us out at recoveryinternetradio.com. Recoveryinternetradio.com for all our archive shows and recovery resources. <coughs> do we have any stuff we want to announce? You want to do a little thing? You want to do sidekicks tonight? Yeah, absolutely. I. Just for uh, all of these, if you're a regular listener to the show, you might have heard about this before, but we're heavily involved with a youth mentoring program called Sidekicks Mentoring. Uh, we provide mentors to youth in need in the McHenry County area. Uh, we've got a really great staff of dedicated mentors that um, are, are very motivated to give back and help provide guidance to, uh, to kids that might be struggling a little bit. So if you're a parent, a teacher, a counselor, uh, and you know someone that might be a good candidate for our program, we'd love to hear from you. You can get a hold of us at sidekick, sidekicksmentoring.org, O-R-G, and uh, all the contact information is there. You can email us or give us a call. Great. Okay. Yeah. Thanks. So let's roll. You ready to roll, Pete? Sure. Okay. Thanks for joining us tonight. Thanks Rolling. for coming out. Thanks for having me. We appreciate it. Um, so, yeah, so the title of the show is Finding Our Way Back to Innocence, the Recovering Heart, which I think... Really, I hope we, we can capture that whole package. It's, I think it'll be a real important message for people to hear. I like it. I like it because you and I have talked a lot about, you know, about sobriety being a, not, not something make, to make us into something we weren't, but to get back to something we've always been, right? Yeah, that's kind of my belief. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. of course, um, there's always more to come, you know, yeah. and to develop and do other things. But I think as far as, like, the heart and the soul of it mm-hmm. is getting to that, you know, that place where. 
Yeah, and I think uh, so. And I think your story kind of captures that. So let's let's try to start. You know, start at the beginning and you know give us a little history about where you came from, like what it was like for you, you know, as a kid, and you know some of that sort of background first. Yeah, sure. Um, and I'll try to keep that you know on point so I don't get too far off here. But I, I think in re- in relation to you know getting back to innocence or so forth. I think for me, my personal experience is that that's kind of key because early on things were really good for me. Yeah. Yeah. Were you um, like, would you have considered yourself an, an, just an innocent regular kid? Well, I don't know about so much innocent. I've always been mischievous, but yeah. um, I, I, at an early age, you know, <laughs> um, you know, I was told I was put in accelerated classes, mm-hmm. um, you know, um, actually, Later on through life, um, when I was in a lot of trouble, uh, you know, people, uh, I, I was doing this, uh, like, college work through uh, a prison, and they checked my IQ again, you know, after all the damage, you know. So I, I had these messages and, and this uh, life where, you know, I was, you know, it, it not in an egotistical way, but, you know, I, I was athletic, I was smart, I was, you know, top of the class type of situation, mm-hmm. you know, swim team, whatever. Um, so, you know, I had a pretty high opinion of myself as a child, you know. <laughs> Everything's going good. You're right. feeling good. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. Now, that probably added to some of my detriment down the road. Mm-hmm. But I guess what I'm saying is, is that, you know, I, I was aware of good behavior. Yeah. I was aware of achievement, and I was aware, aware of accolade, and I was mm-hmm. aware of uh, accomplishment. You know, I, I, I never developed uh, a mature way to deal with that, though, hmm. because, you know, I got kind of sidetracked. Yeah. So, yeah. so, so you had what you would consider, a, a, for at least the early part, uh, some success and some, you know, you had some self-esteem, and you're, you, could, you could feel good about yourself. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and but some things changed, or what? What changed? Well, there was always some underlying dysfunction in my family, but it was like not a big deal. But um, my parents uh, had a lot of issues, and we were, uh, you know, I was born on the south side, and you know, I have a family base there. And uh, when I was uh, third grade, moved to uh, California, mm-hmm. and I spent my some of my elementary school, well, most pretty much all my elementary school there. Um, and, uh, and it was really, it was pretty idyllic. You know, we had a, mm-hmm. a pool in the backyard. It was kind of Brady Bunch looking mm-hmm. at, you know, house. Mm-hmm. And, and, and those were really good times where I was developing and things were going well. And then <clears throat> my dad said that, you know, we're moving back to Illinois. Uh, you know, and I went to, you know, junior high in, in Illinois. But everything, everything fell, the wheels fell off the whole thing. You know, Your whole family came came back to Illinois from correct. California. And then my yeah. dad split back to California. My parents divorced. My mom started, you know, just didn't really deal with that well and was, uh, you know, working nights, knocked out on the couch. She was taking a lot of Valiums and stuff like that. And so pretty much I was left to my own. And that's like you're, you're how old at this point, junior high school age? Sixth grade, yeah. Sixth, Sixth grade, grade is when I really started copying an attitude. Yeah. How old does that make you? Like eleven or twelve? Something, yeah, yeah, somewhere 12, there. Right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, those are formative years. That's when you know. I mean, kids need guidance and all that kind of stuff that you hear. You know, right? Yeah, you didn't have any, not much. 
No, my mom kind of checked out, and like yeah. I said, there wasn't. It wasn't like you know my family was father in law's best or you know yeah. leave it to Beaver or something. I mean, you know there wasn't good communication. My dad was always kind of a cold person. Mm-hmm. Um, didn't didn't really like children. I I don't think in retrospect. Yeah. Um, and my mom was uh, you know a little emotionally you know she kind of rode on his coattails. They got together early, so when he wasn't in the picture, she was at a loss and, and yeah. kind of had a breakdown. And, yeah. Did you have to like? Did you have siblings? Yeah, I had, I'm the oldest, yeah. so um, one was uh, just a couple years old, and the other was like five or six. Oh, okay. Did you have to pick up the slack for your dad a little bit, or? No, I didn't really fill that role in no. at all. No, because I eventually I ended up uh, going back to California. Oh, okay. <clears throat> so I started like freshman year, a little bit of it. I think like a semester at, at high school here, um, and then. But by that time, my behavior was out of hand. Yeah. Like, so, explain that a little bit. Like, out of hand, what does it mean? Well, so, it, it, the junior high thing was, you know, I was kind of getting, you know, um, I was angry. I was really angry. Yeah. Uh, confused. And I was uh, stealing my mom's pills, smoking mm. pot, mm-hmm. uh, drinking right out of the gate alcoholically. Mm. So, I attacked alcohol. Mm. It wasn't like, oh, let me try this. I went after yeah. it. And I was really, you know, in retrospect really trying to deal and cope with life. Um, and I, and I went out like I do, every, I did everything and mm-hmm. I still kind of do, you know, just balls to the walls, mm-hmm. excuse the expression, but I went, I went at it, right. You know, and, uh, pretty quickly, uh, you know, had a problem. Yeah. And it, it, it tends to come back at you pretty, pretty hard. Yeah. There was no like period of, you know, enjoyment, like a romance period or honeymoon, <laughs> Me and alcohol, it's like blackouts right away, and, mm-hmm. you know, fights, mm-hmm. and, you know, inhibitions would be lost, so I'd be letting out my rage, mm-hmm. you know, and, and... So did you get kicked out of high school, or did you just... No, no. Uh, leave, I, uh, I, I actually graduated uh, junior high and then um, started high school here, but in the meantime, I got you know, sent to the south side, which didn't help anything. You know, my grandparents on my dad's side and uh sent to live with them because yeah, your mom, mom couldn't handle Yeah, she wasn't there was concern about her too, her ability. Right. Um I think uh, I focused more on that, obviously. Uh, you know, what you know, her parenting mm-hmm. or, or lack of. Um so I went there and then uh, like the neighbors across the street, you know, they their parents had died so they had, you know, money that they uh but they were like these two just out of high school guys that had a house, you know, uh, <laughs> you know, and uh, the South Side's pretty tough. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I befriended them and they drank a lot. So there was a lot of just parties where I got, you know, in fights with people and it's just all boring. It pretty much, you know, drove my grandparents nuts, I'm sure. I mean, I was coming home at all hours and, mm. you know, uh, passing out in the alley or whatever. Right. Beating beat up or beating people up or, you know, whatever the residual effects of the night before, you know. Right. Um, so. And like, like when, when you were in junior high school, like, and you said, and then you, you know, started your freshman year. And in that time period, you said, you know, you were, you were angry and confused, but I assume that that's your knowledge looking back at it now that you, you knew you were angry and confused because right. it's no, hard. No, at the time I was, you know, that's a good point. Doing what you're doing. At the time I was extremely awkward. 
So I went from this guy that, you know, was kind of like, you know, it was pretty cool to just not understanding the culture, you know, feeling really awkward. Mm -hmm. I think at the time, I, I uh, sixth grade, I got braces, so I was like teased, and I wasn't used to that. Mm -hmm. And I discovered fighting. Mm -hmm. You know, I remember like that was my first major fight. You know, where <clears throat> um, aside from the fact when I was little, I used to get in, get in fights. Just a little. I'm Lithuanian Irish, and my name looks Polish, mm -hmm. so it's just a little like how I am. Okay. When I was like five, people would be like, oh, you're a Polak. You know, I'd be like, oh, no. And, I, and of course, I knew the history of Lithuania, and I'm like explaining that, right? <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, I'm mostly Irish. I'm three-quarters Irish. So mm -hmm. I was always raised Irish Catholic, you know, mm -hmm. Irish parish, all that stuff. But so I felt at odd, you know, outward, like... Like, uh, like you have to explain your nationality. Right, right. And, and, you know, so I'd be like, you know, Lithuania is... Because it actually has a great culture. It's a, yeah. one of the oldest languages next to Sanskrit and helped kick the Turks out of Vienna and whatever. So at five, I'm like explaining that... It's the history kid. of Lithuania. Yeah, it's Chicago. He's like, oh, so you're fancy Polak. And then it would be like it'd be art. And that's when I started <laughs> learning how to, you know... But, but right. what that... The reason I mentioned that is that that feeling of not quite fitting in. Yeah. You know, not right. you know having to explain myself mm -hmm. and then and then having to duke it out. And but I really started getting into fighting. I remember this kid because I was a real smart ass by this time mm. um, in junior high. And so the way I dealt with things was, you know, I was still doing schoolwork pretty well, and I would work ahead. So they would have like, you know, you have your math book, your social study book, whatever. And I kind of figured out the system. You know, you read these chapters every week, and there'd be this thing, and there'd be all these exercises at the end. And you didn't know which one they were going to choose, so I just did them all, like, on a Sunday night. Mm -hmm. And I'd screw around at school all week and be, like, <laughs> this really nasty class clown, you know. So so that's the, that's the downside of being, <clears throat> being smart and being a wise-ass. Right. Yeah, yeah. Right. And I didn't really cultivate the smart thing, you know, yeah. the book study thing. Yeah. It was kind of like a way of a, a workaround. Sure. Just, you know, getting over. Exactly. Yeah. So this kid calls me out, and I remember distinctively trying to get out of it because I was scared of him. Mm -hmm. He was a big kid. And, um, you know, so, you know, the after school thing, we're going to meet on the mm -hmm. playground. And I remember it's this big boxy building, you know, like Chicago's mm -hmm. type schools are. Yeah. And, so I'm trying to go out different exits, and there's somebody there. Hey, where are you going? You know, it's like <laughs> it's kind of trapped. So I just sure, you know, fear. I started just punching this guy, and I didn't stop until you know he had a bloody nose, and you know he was just on his heels, and you know everybody's like, "Wow, this is cool." Pete's kicking this guy's butt because he's kind of a bully. Mm -hmm. But the weird thing was. Afterwards, I felt bad. And I took him to the nurse's office. Mm. So that's kind of how. The conflict within me is, you know, right. Um, it's hmm. kind of strange, you know. Yeah. Um, but anyway, but I did like that rush. Well, and it's, but it, it fits with the, it fits with what we're talking about, you know, yeah. because there's that, there's that, there's the innocence, there's the, you know, I don't want to hurt anybody, I don't want to be that way, and then the guy who, you know, won't back down and, right, you yeah. know, yeah, it's kind of a dichotomy theme. Yeah. 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 Well, you know, pretty much, yeah, you know, pretty much all the way through. So you, so you go, you end up back in California mm -hmm. with your dad. Yeah, my dad's remarried, and she doesn't like me. Mm -hmm. um, she's really uh, 
not a real nice person. And you're like in what a sophomore high school? <clears throat> I'm 15. Yeah. Yeah, and so I'm at this. Uh, you know, I know you know the area. So I'm I'm up in the in the hills, San Lorenzo Valley High School mm-hmm. in Felton. And um, you know, that's a whole different world. Mm-hmm. And it was different from like where I was before, which was San Jose. Right. Um, and uh, so. You know, more culture shock, more being, you know, the outsider, not knowing how to fit in. And um, And that's kind of that's kind of a bit of a theme is not not feeling a part of and not fitting in and all of that. Yeah. And here we here we're here we're at like, again, this is like the third place you've been south side more than that. Fourth place, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just kicked in. Yeah. So so I'm working at this restaurant and, uh, you know, they're all drug dealers. You know, the owner, mm-hmm. is a drug dealer. There's a lot of a lot of growing pot back then. You know, this is still in the 70s. And, and I don't, they're, I don't they're, know. Uh, not sure that's changed. You, no, no. In fact, well, now it's, now it's now a it's good industry to be yeah. in. Yeah, yeah, yeah then now it was it's regulated. Like, then it was unregulated. Yeah, right. so I'm, I'm working as a dishwasher at this place. And, uh, you know, and and they're cutting up peyote. That was a big thing. Mm. Um, so bushels would come in and they cut it up. And, and I remember, uh, you know, they're making these milkshakes. And peyote, when you cut it up, it's got these yellow strands, and that's the strychnine. Mm. You don't want that stuff. So, hey, you want to try this? And you know, I tasted it. It was bitter, and that's why they were making the milkshakes, because they were just kind of food processing it, you know. Um, so as they're all out partying and stuff in the in the restaurant, because it's like, you know, 2 in the morning, and, and it's party time. And, you know, I went and made a milkshake, but I didn't get all the strychnine out. Mm. So I had a bad trip. Mm. So... You know, I'm not getting any, like, love at the house. My dad's trying the best he can. You know, his personality and the way he was is very stoic. Mm-hmm. You know, he's the son of a lifetime Chicago fireman. Mm-hmm. You know, kind of just, you know, and a truck driver. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that old Irish stoic, you know, right. type thing. And um, So, you know, I just started acting strange. You know, uh, he came home, I'm watching TV, but it wasn't on. Mm. stuff and you know just kind of and I didn't know what was going on uh oh <laughs> so I, I you know I had kind of like a nervous break yeah. you know an emotional breakdown I think um because it was a bad trip yeah so um on Christmas Christmas day we were going to go visit some friends in San Jose and uh they dropped me off at the psych ward you know was the visit in San Jose a, a pretext for that, or did they go visit somebody in well, San Jose? Still go, yeah, but I thought we were just going to oh, okay. to visit some friends. And you got a you got a little surprise. Got a little surprise out of that, mm-hmm. and so so now I'm you know I'm already like unsure about myself. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I've been already getting in the mix in California too. So you know, I fit right in a lot quicker than I did anywhere else because um, you know I had the the younger you know upbringing. To, you know, uh, like. The, the grade school formative years, yeah. you know, from third up to, you know, up second or third, I think. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm full into the lifestyle, of, you know, drugs and alcohol. Right. Um, you had that experience, so you fit in because of that. Yeah. Cause you, yeah. But now I'm thinking, you know, am I crazy? Mm-hmm. You know? So, and so I spent two weeks in observation, and clearly I wasn't crazy, but I'm still doubting. And I'm still, that's just adding to my own, you know, you lack get, of not knowing you why. You reassurance from any professional. And my dad's like, well, you'll never, 
So my dad's way of saying, well, let's put it this way. You'll never be able to run for office because, you know, this will probably be, you know, not like, hey, you're okay. You know, it's just, that's right. just the way he was. Right. Um, so <clears throat> they put me in a, a, a boy's home for a little while. And then I just started stealing cars and doing stuff, you know, and, uh, and that led to, you know, juvenile hall, mm. um, first, you know, Santa Clara and then Santa Cruz and, you know, eventually jails. And so, you know, I wanted to learn how to steal a car. So I stole one and then I liked that. Mm-hmm. And then I started getting, were you old enough to drive when you stole your first no. car? Uh-uh. And that's what I would do. I'd steal cars. And I had a knack for finding, like, service bays that kept keys on them. Hmm. And, you know, I even narrowed it down to, you know, they were just in for an oil change. I'd read the hats. They used to put these hats on the car, they call them, Mm -hmm. which, you know, kind of indicated what service they needed. So later on, years later, when I was in the car business, when we put blockers, these cars that you put the keys locked up inside. Right. It was like, I'm probably one of the reasons they did that. <laughs> they put, blo- like, they yeah. put locked cars to keep inside in the way of cars that needed service so you couldn't get yeah. it out. Right. They, they block <laughs> any exits, you know, because I'd jump the, I'd, I'd break through the fences and stuff and yeah. take cars. And, yeah. So I, I was just thinking of that because, you know, I would be setting on a blocker and closing the dealership, you know, and I think, yeah, I used to be able to. Right. Yeah, if they'd have done this back right. in the day, you would have been you would have been SOL. Yeah, so that opened up a whole new whole new life for me. So, um, you know, in Santa Cruz County, I was kind of like a, I was back to kind of like the big man on campus thing, but more like in a criminal way. Correct, and I yeah. was learning, and there was a lot of politics, you know, and uh, you know, and I had, and it was a closer knit. San Jose was uh, it was a real gladiator school. Mm-hmm. And, and it was full on politics, you know, with the races and the, you know, where you sat and what you did. And, you know, um, and part of me liked that. Now, I was scared, you know, I was really scared because, you know, I hear the stories about, you know, the prison and the situations and, you know, what, what happens and, you know, um, all the violence and stuff. And there was violence going on there. But I, I, I was initially, you know, very scared, frightened to death. But mm-hmm. then I just, you know, it, it was like, a, it became part of like a family. Right. Yeah, I've right. never been closer to anybody than if somebody I did time with. You think that had to do with the fact that you didn't have a lot of, a lot of closeness in other places or a Correct. lot of, yeah, a lot yeah. of, yeah. But I had that early experience. So, you know, it's just, it was, because there was guys that I knew that, you know, they were, they were from the gate, you know, just in really, really bad environments. And they were. You know, they had like, I used to call it shark eyes. There was just no emotion that was good. Mm-hmm. It was just bad. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. And I didn't have that. So I, I had to cover that up, that sensitive side. Right. But that lifestyle, I liked it. You know? I mean, I'd show up at a party with a stolen car. Let's go to L.A. You know? I, I stole a van one time. We drove down the coast and stayed in a monastery. It was, it was an adventure. Mm-hmm. You know, and then why did you stay in a monastery? Because it was there. We didn't have any money. <laughs> like, steal a car, stay in a monastery. You know, because it was long. Uh, we, we just, just what happened to be there. Yeah. Well, yeah. One of the guys I was with, like, hey, there's a monastery. Well, you there. go to confession while you're there too, just in case. Right. right. Well, it's just a place to stay where they didn't ask questions. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's pretty funny. Yeah, it was another one of those, another one of those, uh, you know, flip flop things. You know. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of those. 
did how do you feel like um, the institutional stuff, the jail stuff? Do you think how do you how do you think that played into getting you t- to into recovery? How, I mean, what what's what was the was there a part there that you know gave you something or yeah i mean i think the seed was planted because you know this is a long time ago but california was very progressive with you know integrating 12 step into stuff so you know group homes uh, they don't really have like the group home system here i don't think i mean there you had like lockdown you had a boys ranch and then you had like group homes where you know you messed up they send you back right all right and they but they were in the community type of thing you know, and you drove in a van, and you know, you know yeah. it was pretty obvious. Yeah, they have a better system. They just weren't wearing a jumpsuit or something. You know, right, but, right. Um, but you know, they were always kind of like throwing that, you know, like you know, uh, what's uh, transcendental meditation, you know, mm-hmm. or ego busting, you know, type stuff. So it, back then, it was just a game. I, I manipulated. They were um, doing what they called positive pure culture did you ever hear that phrase people yeah. see yeah, yeah and positive pure culture in those days that was the whole thing and they it was like a language people would learn the language and that's a yeah. that's a hurting thing and that's a this and that's a you know all that stuff yeah so and to me it was just a joke you know because yeah. i didn't give a shit right but that's the thing that's again that's that economy really but you did, did give a shit i really did but you had to hide that you gave a shit and that's where the layers come in right you know and i hear right. guys talk about that in 12 stuff and that and for me that's the layers i kept layering on top of that and then, you know, a good yeah. person that I was. Right. And I and I and I didn't get that till I was much older. So a lot of times I want to share my experience. You know. You know, you ask what song "Scar Tissue" by Red Hot Chili Peppers. I mean, mm-hmm. that's really about you know my understanding is about a guy who wishes he could share that you know mm-hmm. that scar that. Right. Get all the way to it. But there's so much, so much stuff and in the way. Being a parent, it's like right. I get that feeling. It's like I right. wish I could just like. You know, touch you into the, you know, you could feel something, you know, not, not like, you know, power, but the experience. If I could just somehow give it to you fully, right. you know, in a jolt so you understand and stay away from it. Yeah. You know. Yeah, um, yeah but you had, you had so many layers of protection with each experience. You get another one, you know, the institute, you know, the Christmas day, I can just feel it, you know. Yeah. The yeah. wall goes. Oh, okay. Yeah. So you don't care. You know, yeah. prison. Okay, well, I gotta, you know, I gotta yeah. act this way. No shark, you know. And even though, and here's, a, and this is like my whole family talks about this. You know, a probation officer later had me reevaluated by this this uh, psychiatrist who was renowned. Mm-hmm. I mean, the Bay Area was very progressive with child psychology and stuff like that. And you know, because I, I know today it was my dad's narcissism. That it couldn't be anything that you know he had anything to do with, right? Right. So you know, I was struggling with this whole, you know, my nuts, am I just you know, pathologically different, blah blah blah, you know? Right. And that haunted me for all my life, right? You know, in a way. But even though the psychiatrist, uh, the uh, probation officer said, "Hey, we want to do an evaluation on this guy," you know, for, I was going to go into something, you know, they wanted to make sure, and. Here's this guy I saw like a couple years prior with my dad in the room and his, his, you know, this renowned guy, his clinical analysis was, your kid's an asshole. Mm-hmm. Oh. You know, and he meant it in a way to let me off the hook there. Right. Like, there's really, there's nothing psychologically like. Right. We're not going to make a big diagnosis. He's just a jerk. He's just a kid's you know, out of control. Yeah. And, 
But I didn't feel, I mean, I felt relieved, but that was short-lived. And it was always a little seed, like, you know. And I hear other alcoholics say, you know, they feel different than everybody else or addicts, you know. Right. So I had that, that was that aspect for me, you know. And then you talked about the onion layers being um, walls, too, but it's also like piling on learned behavior. Mm. So I started becoming a, a comfortable with behavior that I normally don't think I would have became comfortable with by the way I was living. Yeah, uh, survival-related stuff. I think what we'll do is we'll take, because the song that you said, what's the the song again? Uh, Scar Tissue. Scar Tissue by uh, Red Hot Chili Peppers. All right, I think what we'll do is we'll take a break. Uh, Good time time to break, because then we can kind of segue into, uh, you know, the recovery stuff. And uh, so we'll hear uh, Scar Tissue by Red Hot Chili Peppers. RHCP, thanks for being with us here tonight. Enjoy the the tunes, and we'll be back in uh, just a few short minutes.
Welcome back to Recovery Internet Radio. Thanks for being with us here tonight. If you're just joining us, you can find us online at recoveryinternetradio.com. We're having a great conversation with Pete here tonight. Thanks again for being here. I'll uh, I'll let you guys proceed. Thanks, Chris. Thank you. Um, yeah, so we're having a good conversation here, and I, I, I appreciate the, the stuff we're talking about, and I kind of wanted to move the move the conversation from what were the things that, you know, were causing the difficulties to, like, what the solution might look like. Sure. So um, I guess the next thing would be kind of how, maybe, like, frame up a little bit how you went from that trouble, uh, institutional thinking guy into some sort of recovery. Where were you? What, what was happening at that time? So um, 1990, I went into a program called Project 90 in San Mateo, California. Yeah, and we've talked about that. Yeah, real good. It's a pure social model, I guess yeah. they call it. Yeah. So, um, you know, I had uh, pretty much exhausted everything. I was at rock bottom. I ended up homeless. Now, that, that used to be like, I used to, early on, I used to run away from places. Like, I ran from a boys' home in L.A. and went back to, you know. So, in Santa Cruz itself, from like 15 to 18, I must have lived in 14, 15 different places, including on my own. Mm. But um, this was like really bad. Like, you know, I was older. I had burned all my bridges. The car broke. I was living in the car, and now I had nothing. And uh, so... I'll just tell a real quick story about how sure. I was in a homeless shelter, basically. And in, in California, there was two types. There was, like, the hopeless, you know, wet brain, wino places. And then there was, like, this social get-on-your-feet, you know, two weeks. Because at the time, crack cocaine was, like, no. before it even hit here, it was a big deal. So I was doing everything. I was a garbage can kind of whatever. Right. But, you know, I had enough wits about me, and I... I was so arrogant, too, that I would always, like, look good. Yeah. You know, I, I'd steal toiletries and hair gel and had nice clothes. I'd, you know, cherish. and But I was down, like, one bag, you know. <laughs> Were you one of those guys that went in the gas station bathrooms yeah, and got exactly. stuff? Yep. Yeah. yeah. And then I came I'd, out looking pretty And pretty then sharp. I'd go and hang out with my, you know, Chicano buddies and get day labor jobs and, you know, enough to, right. you know. Um, so I ended up in this what they call working man shelter where – the deal is, you know, two weeks, you get on your feet, you get a place, they have resources, and part of that was people coming in for AA. But what really struck me is um, it, it was, like, in an old industrial area, and they had these, like, office uh, cubicle things, separators, and there was, like, a, two bunks per separated spot. Yeah. And it was clean. I mean, we had to keep it really clean. It was really nice. And this guy next to me was driving me nuts. He was, like, this biker type with all the tattoos and stuff. And he was just like, always like happy. <laughs> and I heard like the asshole. What's the matter with this guy? In retrospect, I know I'm full of self pity, anger, yeah. all those good, you know, you know, emotions, you know, poor me, right. you know? Yeah. Uh, so anyhow, so this guy's just annoying the heck out of me. So I'm scheming on how I'm going to duke it out with him. Mm -hmm. Just, you know, confront him. And I'm prepared to get my butt kicked if that's what it takes. So I heard the story. I guess this guy had all this stuff. He was like this guy with his business and boats. And, you know, he used to live by Sacramento on the river and lost it all. Went back to prison. And now he's where I am. Right. Mm -hmm. 
So it's like, how dare you, you know, be happy or just... Yeah, you should really be sad. right. Yeah. So finally, I, I get up the guts and I get in his face and I go, you know, what the hell is your problem? You know, like, we're going to go, right? And, I, and he goes, what's, what's up, man? I go, you, you're walking around here like, you know, and this guy is like, I'm expecting the confrontation. I'm expecting to, to start fighting. And he doesn't do any of that. And I sit back on my bunk and as I do, he throws me a big book. Hmm. And he says, there's nowhere but up, bro. Hmm. And that is where recovery hit me. Hmm. I mean, in the heart. Mm-hmm. And I got it. You know. Did you read the book? No. <laughs> <laughs> but I got what he was saying. It yeah. hit me. And then about that time, I noticed that people were coming to bring people to meetings. And so I, that, like, that night I went. Was that shelter specifically no. for that or No. no. No, so it that was, was part kinda... of what they did is people would, hey, there's, a, you know, so A was showing up, you know, or right. whatever, 12-step, right. you know. So that would, some people would say that that was a, a God-directed Absolutely. Yeah. It was a spiritual experience, by, yeah. you know. And yeah. I, I might not have fully, but it hit me in my heart. Yeah. It hit that part of my heart that was all layered up. Did it, did it hit you because he didn't uh, respond to the aggression? Well, that, was, that caught my attention, but when he threw me the book, it's like everything made sense. I get it. Oh, there's yeah. Hope. That's so what that's the hope what... hit me. Yeah, and I didn't even understand that. Right, but that's what the so that, here's a, a peaceful guy who can be happy anyway. Right, it was like and here's the book. So yeah, in other words, like, here's how, here's the direction. It wasn't just false, you know, whistle in the dark. Right, it was like real yeah. hope, and I, I felt it. Yeah, so it was more a feeling. Yeah, so I immediately started lining up trying to get into this program, which was hard to get into, and they made you jump through hoops. So long story short. This I went through there in 90. Yeah. Yeah. So I went through there in 90. Um, <clears throat> and the, the cool thing was is everybody, the board of directors all the way down were recovering alcoholics and addicts. Some of them, my counselor was like a convicted murderer. Hmm. You know. So there was people out of Folsom, hardcore, that, you know, had through the years became professionals. Mm-hmm. So there was, it was, I never, I, I didn't have that feeling of not fitting in. Right. You know, I was never all tapped tap up and you know that but you know emotionally I felt like these people understood me I understood them you know and it, and I had you know uh, a lot of changes for the good the the thing that the thing that made you feel like you fit in there it sounds like it was it had as much to do with life ex- the 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 criminal life experience stuff as it did with the with the alcoholism and that those things are, are were yeah. combined for you. The institutionalization, yeah. Right, right. Yeah, because of, I mean, I was in a, basically in, in an institutional situation when I sought it, and then I sought out an institution, and then there was yeah. people that were familiar, but they were different. Right. I tried to run some game, and, you know, there's, there was no, that no. was going to happen. Right. And I well, got that. And that's, that's what that guy did in the, in the shelter when he didn't respond and he threw you the book. Right. No game. No that's cool. Yeah, that's really cool. So, so you w- but you went through there twice. You went through the yeah. fir- first time. And I got then... sidetracked by a woman. Yeah. <laughs> do, we, do we want to talk about that? Or? Well, yeah. I mean, uh, you know, I was going to break. I, so I tried to go a whole year, you know, with, you know, and it lasted like nine months. And I was real proud. But the one thing I will say is the whole year, month, meaning stay out of relationships yeah, for the first year, yeah. and you lasted nine months. Nine months, but okay. it was kind of cool because for two reasons. One, all the guys thought I was dating all these hot women because I, I was kind of like getting to know women, mm-hmm. and I didn't really have any 
idea how to even talk to a woman if it wasn't self-centered and self-seeking. Mm. So by not engaging in a relationship, I was going out and getting to know and going to coffee. Just it kind of evolved. I guess I was like the safe guy. Yeah. So a lot of beautiful women in, in, in the, the meetings I would go to and stuff, we would hang out and stuff. And I started to learn a little mm-hmm. bit about how to act with a woman mm-hmm. without, you know, with my hands cuffed. Yeah. You know, yeah. basically. <laughs> um, I, I, I probably didn't apply a lot of that, but it did stick. Some of it did stick. And then, um, then I met, you know, I fell in love instantly like a good, you know, mm-hmm. addict right. at, at, a, um, at a function. And, um, you know, and, and then she kept, you know, using drugs and stuff. And, you know, I tried to rescue her hmm. and that didn't work. So, um, so then I ended up, you know, really quickly hitting a, a fast bottom and then got right back in and, and begged them to let me come back. And so in 93, I went back mm-hmm. <clears throat> and then, um, stayed sober for several years and, and when 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 they call it they call it project nine is it nine you stay there for ninety days yeah it's yeah. A nine, yeah so it's like thirty days in a in a main yeah. building and then there's satellite houses right yeah it was a pretty good gig and then I did like the transitional housing thing and um you know and it was it was uh, it was good stuff yeah you know? yeah what so talk a little bit about did did some of the layers come off yeah but I was still it, it, in retrospect, I was still uh, confronting a lot of ego. Mm-hmm. You know, I could see that today. And, and I also, you know, now I see why they're, they say, and it's not just like celebrities ranting, you know, there's a 5 to 10% on a good day, 10% long-term recovery in AA. Mm-hmm. What I did back then and what's different now is I was chasing and had expectations of being this other guy, like light switch mentality. Yeah. You know, and that was kind of the dogma and the message I heard. So, you know, but I wasn't really getting deep into the spiritual change. Mm. So, um, you know, I got a lot of, like, quick success, you know, financially, relationship-wise, but I was full of, I was full of ego. And I viewed the 12 steps as you do the 12 steps, now you've changed, and now you tell other people how to do it. Right. You know, and... So I got caught up in, you know, something I see to different degrees and different reasons, you know, people put together that first few years, you know, I almost had, I was caught up on seven when I, when I uh, decided to smoke pot because I moved to Hawaii, Mm. cut off all my friends. Mm. Um, But But it's like, it's almost like, like, like late, you know, it's the first, it's the first layer of, of recovery. It's only the beginning, but you think. Yeah, that you've got you've got it now, right. kind of thing, and right. and uh, you know, and, and yeah, I think maybe a lot a lot of folks, you know, get to layer one, and you know, maybe that's enough, or, or sure, or, not for me, yeah, because my enough. ego took hold, and yeah. you know, it was a lot of uh, self righteous looking self will. Hmm. I mean, I was in line with what AA was saying, but I wasn't really changing deeply spiritually, right? And I think that's really the beauty of recovery, is that it is a spiritual thing, mm-hmm. you know, it is spiritual progress. And that I, today I view that like when I get it, I'm going to look around. I'm already gone. Mm. Yeah. It's the moment of truth. That's really my, my view of the human experience, you know, is that it's always going to be some growth, man. Right. And I didn't get that then. I thought there was like milestones, a fixed, a fixed point. somehow. Yeah. 
Yeah. Or points, you know, points, yeah. plateaus, and you know, and that wasn't the case. And it's more like it's more like a way, a, a way, a way of life, or a, a yeah. way of looking at the world. Not, I believe yeah, so today. Not definitely. fixed points. Yeah. And that takes that's a, that gives some peace of mind for me to finally get to that. And I don't know if it's just age or or my, but you know, I'm one of those guys that went in and out a couple times. And, and I used to really kind of be ashamed of that because right. the dogma in AA is, hey, I've got 35 years, you know, and you know. But a lot of those people don't, aren't, you know, there are people I know mm-hmm. that have, like, they have it going on, you know. But there's also a lot that just, that. The years of sobriety don't measure the quality of sobriety. Right. And, and I would totally agree with that because and it in one breath, matter. people in AA will say that, but in the other breath, you know, you can see that there's a little... And that's fine. I mean, people should be proud of the fact, to a certain degree. But for me, that's dangerous. Right. It's not, about the, it's not about the, the length of time. That's important, but it's not about that for you. So, like, how did you... How, what were the things that, that you feel like were the important... Like, for instance, we're to, well, we're to, as long as we're talking about it, like, how did you... So, you were sober for seven years... And you decided to smoke some weed when you were in Hawaii, and then you were gone for a while. Yeah. Um, so I got back in 2004. Okay. So so I was out like four years. Okay. And, and uh, how did that? I don't I don't know if we even really need to know what that was like as much as what like what did you bring back with you when you when you came back into recovery? Like what did what did you a get? A whole new level of like spiritual bankruptcy. Uh-huh. Not just the bottom, a spiritual bankruptcy. So say something about like what that what that is. Like what what is spiritual well, my, bankruptcy for you? My new new like relatively new marriage was falling apart. Um it was just I it for me the spiritual bankruptcy was looking in the mirror. So that moment like when the guy threw me the big book. Mm. That man in the mirror moment too is yeah. something that is so important to me today. It yeah. is like the spirit that I have to carry with me every day, that honest self-appraisal. You know, we talk, we hear people talk about that. Right. You know, and it's not just a one-time deal for me. I have to maintain that. So I have one of those moments where I looked and, you know, I realized I was in a marriage that really didn't, wasn't really healthy at all. And that, in fact, I ran to pot probably because I kind of sensed that deep down, but I wasn't right. really intellectually getting it. And, and not to blame her. But it's still dysfunctional, you know, um, yeah. five years divorced, you know, six years separated, whatever. Um, but, you know, I had, you know, a baby on the way. And uh, so I tried to live the American dream, but I really was, I, I guess I was more and more disconnected from that, that inner yeah, another, spiritual, it was another detour. that core, yeah. you know. Um, so the layers were piling on. It was just different stuff. And I yeah. didn't get it. Yeah. yeah, and then things got bad enough that then you then you came back in with that new, with that new knowledge. Yeah, yeah, that you'd found a, you'd, you'd figured out that you'd found a new way to lay, put the layers on that you hadn't even you didn't even know. Right. Yeah. And it was just yeah. like, oh, this I've had enough. And yeah. then <clears throat> this time around, it was really humbling. I could say today, but at the time, it didn't feel like you know people didn't know me when I came in. It was a chip on my shoulder, a lot of a lot of hidden shame that I expressed in anger, didn't like the way they had meetings here, mm-hmm. you know, blah, 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 you know, take my seat, you know, mm-hmm. kind of thing. Um, and a lot of junkie pride. 
Yeah. So now it's like I, I, I needed to identify myself as, you know, kind of terminally unique, you know, because right. here I'm in this, you know, far northwest side suburb and I don't see those kind of people that I could relate to and honestly sometimes feel better than because that was another thing about Project 90 was there were some people that were really, really screwed up. So I felt like, well, I'm not so bad now, you know, <laughs> and my interpretation at the time was, Here's some like, you know, suburban Midwest, you know, kind of right. Nordic farm mentality that <laughs> if they really knew me, they'd hate me right. or they'd kill me. Right. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, it took a long time to really kind of, because of the hurt with the separation and the divorce, which happened, you know, a couple years sober. But this time around, it was a lot of bad things that, you know, I've walked through that have helped. And that's, you know, God's way, you know, my higher power's way of kind of helping me to get aligned. You know, it's like last time I had good stuff quick and it just kept getting good. Everything I touched turned to gold. I mean, I went from homeless to Hawaii, mm-hmm. living on the beach, you know, um, and kind of feeling justified, like spiking the ball because, you know, see, I am a good guy. I am smart. I am, you know, right. an achiever. And I no humility. Mm-hmm. And this time it was like cut off at the knees, man. Right. You know, divorce, job, lo- lost. Don't know who to relate to. The whole, the whole. Yeah, deal. and sober. And and so these things kept happening as I was sober. In fact, you know, uh, recently I finally, you know, you know, I, I I was in a position at work where, you know, I realized that no matter what spiritual growth I had outside of work and what I was working on, when I went to work, I was a jag. I was in your face, got to be number one, and it was it was it was a rude awakening. So most of my spiritual experiences have been very rude awakenings, actually. <laughs> you know, and more like two by fours in the face kind yeah, of awakenings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, but I was I, I I had to put myself in a position through the divorce where I needed to try to get a bankruptcy. So I was kind of trying to scale back my my production and. Um, you know, and then dealing with politics too. You know, I got promoted, and I was in this corporate environment, and I don't know how. It's like you know, learning how to talk to women, right? Back from the, I, I, you know, all I knew was how to like knuckle up. If you were, and people interacted where they were threats to each other, and they were backstabbing, and they were, but to them, this was like a way of, you know, they wore that kind of like loose clothing. I've heard you say that. Mm. But not me. You disrespect me. I'm like, what the, you know? Yeah. And then that fear and paranoia would kick in. Right. Then I'm at a meeting and a guy shows up that, you know, I had seen in prison like over 20 years ago. You know, I got out, but this guy just got out. So all of a sudden I'm like, how does this happen? Mm. And I'm fearful and worried. And mm-hmm. so just confronting a lot of like. That that was old gang stuff somehow or something. Yeah. 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 Because yeah, I got involved with that. So. Right. You know, um, I thought it was a vendetta, like sitting there, and it was in a meeting. Right. And I'd never seen him again. And that was just bizarre. So a lot of things were happening that ultimately led me back to being a frightened 15-year-old questioning my sanity. Hmm. Because I didn't know how to deal with somebody at work smiling at me, although they were trying to screw me over. Because hmm. I was aligned with this other person who's in management. Hmm. And I didn't know how to deal with that. I wanted to fight. You know, I had no other. That was your only, yeah, tool. Right. And then, or or confronting situations where 
you know, I used to have to, like, you know, be ready to go. So, like, we were talking, at one point we were talking about, like, labels and looking at things, you know, looking at things from the perspective of, of paranoid or words like that or, or anxious or, or, or labely type things yeah. versus what you're talking about is your l- lack of knowledge of how to handle situations, which are, that's different. That's, I don't know how to explain, or maybe you can, how to talk about the difference between your experience and yeah, how it, you might have been labeled. Sure, and it's more than just knowledge. I might intellectually know what the right thing is to do, but I still want to kick some ass right. because I'm scared. Right. That's, yeah. all you, that's all you really ever it's knew a, how it's, to do. It's, yeah, and, and it, I guess it's almost like I want to drink so I feel better. Right. You know, and not that I'm like some rageaholic or something, but... It's just that's what I know, and I don't have a lot of experience in a corporate environment, let's say, and how to maneuver. And, you know, I might have the intellect to understand that, but I don't have the emotional uh, strength or or experience to... Yeah, you you started using when you were in your early teens, so... Yeah. Yeah, they say that that's, you know, where where you started alcoholically, that's where you start in your recovery. Right. Yeah. So... This is like, uh, it was almost like an exorcism. And then what what happened was I started questioning my sanity again. That old, yeah. you know, is there something like, you know, chemically or pathological? And I, and I investigated and there's not. But then what I realized was it's not a, a black and white situation. That, you know, I might not be borderline personality disorder, but I've crossed the border a few times, you know. <laughs> I mean, and, and really. And then And then somebody very dear to me pointed out, that, you know, well, first it was like, you know, had watched uh, Point Break. Hmm. And, you know, I ride my skateboard still at my age, hmm. like 40 miles. I'm trying to hit 50 miles an hour, hmm. you know, and I've always been kind of like that. And today I, 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 I'm, I'm still kind of a thrill seeker. And they mentioned that, you know, that mentality was where I'd steal a car and I'd I went off cliffs and stuff. I used to do all sorts of crazy stuff. Um, that's not normal. But that's not necessarily completely insane. Right. Um, so that opened it up to, okay, you know, well, maybe some of the, the ways I think is a little nuts compared, you know, outside of the talk of, like, I'm an alcoholic. Right. Because that, the whole ism thing was too broad spectrum for me. It was too much of the shotgun approach for what I was, you know. Right. You needed more definition than that. I was looking for that, you know. Right. So I started having to really kind of the man in the mirror, that first step kind of mentality saying, you know, psychologically, I got some challenges here. And that same person had mentioned post-traumatic stress disorder. And Mm -hmm. I never really thought about that. But my experiences through some of them and some of the things I've gone through, not that they're anything special, but caused a lot of damage. Yeah. And I never really looked at it that way. I looked at it like I needed to fix this and I needed to right. manage this and control this. Before you ever really acknowledged the fact that you had damage. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, I was an alcoholic and addict all day long and then the 12 steps were working for that. Yeah. But, you know, what's next? And, that, and that's where I started seeing where these challenges in my life you know, I could have charmed and manipulated my way through because I'm good at that. I'm a salesman. Hmm. So some of the behaviors I learned, you know, can be used towards 
Sure. Good stuff. Sure. But it, it just, in it, deep down inside, that wasn't good enough. Hmm. So I had to start looking at, you know, where where can I identify with some of these things that will help, you know, and be honest with myself that, you know, in certain situations I'm really challenged. And yet I might not qualify as, you know, uh, uh, psychotic, you know, or psychopath, mm-hmm. but I have some similarities and that's okay. Yeah. There's some things. Sure. Yeah. You know? Yeah. There would be some, you know, and I think everybody some at some, some point on the spectrum, you know, has some goofy thoughts or has some fear, unjustified, un, un, you know, indefinable fear or unjustified, whatever. Right. You know, and what wasn't working for me is just to define that as, oh, that's al- my alcoholism. Right. You needed to call it what it was and then take a good look at it. It helped me to start look right. like really getting into the layers and started peeling them away better because right. the alcoholism was the outer thing. Right. That was, you know, and then it's like, okay, so, you know, I'm a, I'm a wounded person here. Or I'm, you know, I've, I'm kind of, you know, I'm crazy enough to, you know, rob a bank or something, you know, okay, right. that's weird. Uh, you know, what, what and but well, there's a big difference between wounded and uh and da- having having sustained damage as a result of your experiences and pathology or a label. A label doesn't really help. Right. A label's just a label. But you have to just look at what it, what it is, what it was. And that that's what that's what helped you to to move along. What do you do? What do you do to continue growing these days? So my my kids help me a lot <clears throat> because as I parent, I have to really look at myself. Um, and how old are they? They're twelve and thirteen. Oh, okay. Girls. Uh, yeah. 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 And uh, you know, sponsorship. You know, mm-hmm. one of the things I tell my sponsees is, you know, when I'm talking to you, I'm talking to me. You know, and uh, that helps a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think this this new level of awareness, because another thing I tell my sponsees is, is once you're aware, you got no excuse. Hmm. So it's at some point being willing to look at, you know, you know, I'm not just a guy that got drunk too much and then got recovery. I have a certain makeup that I have to be aware of, you know, because honestly, you know, even sober, you know, I could have crazy thoughts about, you know, doing a crime might solve my problems mm-hmm. and I, and they're fleeting, you know, just like, you know, the thought of maybe drink, but these obsessions have been lifted. Right. And it's turned like a corner where I'm looking forward to the growth. So I'm okay. I'm not so apprehensive because I've looked at these layers. I peeled them away. And I've gotten right. closer to the core of who I am. And now I can say, well, that gets in the way. Right. And you're not looking at it from, like, uh, a, shame, a position of being ashamed of yourself anymore. Correct. You're looking at it from a position of maybe objectivity or that's just what it is. And, and a little more specific than just the broad-based one well, alcoholic. Right. Because I, right. could, I could live on that. Oh, yeah. I'm an alcoholic. Right. I'll steal your wallet and help you look for it. I'm a nice guy, but I'm an alcoholic. Right. <laughs> I'll steal your wallet. I'll take the money out of it, and then I'll help But you that look. doesn't create the spiritual right. change. So. Right. You know, it's willing to dive in and look at, hey, you know, I've I, the similarities. You know, I, you know, I've got, I've got things that I have to be mindful of. Yeah. And then more is discovered, and it's not the cliche stuff or the dogma stuff for me. It's like real, and that's just how it's been. And so now it's like, and then understanding there is no pinnacle, there is no, you know, plateau, there is no graduation, there's no. 
it just is what it is and keep evolving. Yeah. Yeah. Are, is there anything? Um, well, two questions, actually. First one is, have you, do you feel like you, have we defined you in some ways your progress towards your original innocence, yeah. your recovering heart? We got yeah. there. Yeah. 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 Because so. I'm much more in touch with that. And it's not like, you know, it's not like, a, oh, shoulda, woulda, coulda, I wish I was that guy, and what if things were different? And now it's like, hey, I'm still that creative person. Yeah. You know, I met with Mo a couple of years ago, and it's like, I'm just like burning up with creativity. Hmm. Because when I was a kid, you know, I used, to, I used to be artistic, I was athletic, you know, you know, even skateboarding and stuff, that's creative to me. It's a it spiritual is. experience. Yeah, you I'm know, surprised you haven't creatively broken any bones, but you're... Well, that would be a different kind of <laughs> yeah. spiritual. But yeah, I mean, it is. I agree, I agree with you. It is. It's it, the way you express it. It's the way yeah. you express yourself. So now it's about, you know, like, you know, I don't have, like, the attention span to be a writer, but I've got, like, all these notes and stuff. And, you know, I had published stuff when I was a kid, mm-hmm. you know, poetry stuff. So I'm allowing myself to be that guy. I'm more in touch with it and without this mournful or I wish I could have been. Yeah, and you've got, I and can look tell. look at the years I blew. You've got hope. You've got dreams, you've got goals, you've got things you want to do. I know you guys were talking a little bit about it at the break, but things that you wanted to do. I mean, those are, those are all indications to me that you've got, you know, you're back to the back to the open heart, more open-hearted, you know, the recovering heart, which is a great phrase, which is your phrase. I want to give you credit for that because that's, you know, that's what it is. So are there any, um, we're, we're, we're about at the point where we need to close, but I think, um, Maybe one last thing would be, is there any, like, for, for guys out there like who've had experiences like yours that have had institutional experiences, who've had the hardened, you know, had the, had the hardened heart, had closed themselves up, and then maybe just making their way into, uh, into AA or some other 12-step program, what would, you, what would you say to them? Is there any piece of advice you would give them? Um that they deserve a break, mm-hmm. you know, and, and don't chase the dogma or the expectations. Cause those are from my experience. It was whenever I had expectations about what I thought it was, it was always something different anyways, mm-hmm. you know, and you can get caught up in all the dogma and, you know, the culture, but just, you know, you deserve it. And, and, you know, um, and enjoy the ride, you know, ride the wave. Okay, I think that's a good piece of advice, and uh, I guess that we'll probably need to uh, close for tonight. But I appreciate you coming and telling your telling your story. Thanks for having me. Yeah, that's good. That's very good. Uh, so anyway, thanks uh, thanks to our guest tonight and our listeners and our studio audience for making us a successful underground support source for the recovering community. We'll email our reminders out next week for next week's show. Um, usually Thursday or Friday. So if you want to get on that list, get us at recoveryinternetradio.com. <laughs> He's so good at that. I just have to let him do it. Um, anyway, uh, so and you can also go there for all our archive shows and um, check out any resources. Check out the website. It's just a fun place to be anyway. Um, we hope you do uh, sign up for our email reminder list because then we'll know where you're listening from because we're an internet radio show, not a broadcast radio show. Yeah, we don't know. So we don't know. 
Uh, so as always, live today, love yourself and your neighbor, and together we'll trudge the happy road to destiny. We hope you've enjoyed the show, and we'll see you at 7 o'clock next Sunday night. <laughs> Boom. Thank you.